the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic. With comprehensive coverage and insightful analysis built around your favorite teams and leagues, the Athletic delivers everything you need and every sports story that matters. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track for 40% off your first year subscription today. And of course, Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, dedicated to serving the unique wealth management needs of athletes and top professionals in the entertainment industry. It's draft season for the NBA, and that's where this company shines. Loan programs, plans, long-term, short-term, how to handle those, those new guaranteed contracts about to come for many of those players. This is what it's all about. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment strives to bring sports professionals the solutions they need financially, including access to support the prospective athletes through the entire draft process. Visit morganstanley.com slash GSE. That's morganstanley.com slash GSE. Happy Monday morning. My name is Mike Giannetti. It's a bit of a bounce around day and I love it. I love it. It's uh, <laughs> Let me give you a picture of what I'm doing right now in terms of the last week and a half or so of spot track. This is like uh, six interns built into one season. So it's we just had the Major League Baseball draft, which is 650 new players in the side of spot track, most with bonuses. The NHL draft was last week. Add another 200 and change many of whom will never sign, by the way. That's an interesting way to look at that. The, the, the perspective, short-term, long-term of these leagues and how they differ. The NHL is such a crapshoot from the draft. Major League Baseball is getting a little bit better with that, especially as they kind of uh, refine the minor league system. And then, of course, we have the NBA draft coming in three days. So the focus is quickly going to turn to those 60-plus players. And I think a decent amount of trades like player for player trades surrounding the league as we approach that free agency. We kind of touched on it last week with Scott. We are certainly going to have Keith Smith back, I believe Wednesday, right before that draft, because he's hearing through the tea leaves that teams like Sacramento, teams like Philly, teams like Golden State, possibly even Toronto with Siakam are at least making rumblings. They're grumbling. They're groaning at this point. They could be making big time noise over the next week or so as the draft and then the free agent season gets upon us because, you know, Cleveland is in a weird spot from a draft standpoint. Cleveland's in a weird spot from a roster standpoint. Cleveland's high draft pick Sexton probably off this roster. So when there's a team like that up near the top of the draft and, and Keith will certainly speak to this better than I can, that's when things get fun. I don't think one's moving. I don't think two's moving. Maybe three is moving. Maybe, but four is interesting. Four is very interesting. So we'll see where this goes. So so Cleveland's at three, I believe. I think. And it'll be interesting to see what happens here. Keith Smith Wednesday with Scott. NBA draft preview, possibly a trade preview as well. But look, here's where I'm going to start today. I'll give you a quick agenda. I'm going to start with baseball because the day after the NBA draft is the Major League Baseball trade deadline. So that's right in my wheelhouse. I'm going to give you some breakdowns today. We have had some movement, and I think the movement we've had kind of forces us to look at the standings, look at the way these teams are built, and maybe understand who some of these teams are again, maybe readdress that. So I'll, I'll do a quick Major League Baseball trade deadline segment here. I'm going to switch gears to the NFL because I did do a piece that is not only holding up, but is kind of gaining steam. Now I did a bubble, uh, an NFL bubble piece as we enter training camp. Many of the teams now have started training camp. We've already had one player traded on this list and I think there's three or four more and we can add a, add a few more now based on some recent reports. So a quick NFL segment, maybe about some names that could be floated out there from each team over the next two, three weeks in training camp. And then the back end, we, like I mentioned, we had the NHL draft. I have some numbers from it. It's always interesting to look from a country standpoint, from a positional standpoint, especially where these these players were drafted. Um, it, it's tough that many of these don't pan out, at least for years and years to come. But we had a lot, a lot of picks. There were some teams with, you know, 
double digit drafts this year. So it's a, it's an interesting league to sort of keep an eye on. It's certainly not something we're going to focus on too, too much, but they had a draft. There's some interesting takes, takeaways. That's the back end of the show. I'll get to some numbers for that. First, I'll have a quick little rant on the open here. It's Olympic season. It's a year late. I've always been a huge fan, always. And I'm not going to make this negative Nelly, especially on a Monday morning. That's just what nobody needs. But I did push a tweet out yesterday that I wanted to speak to slightly. So I woke up. I was planning to watch multiple things in the morning with a cup of coffee because obviously this is a, you know, a different time zone Olympics. That's always difficult. I don't care about the ratings. I don't care about how many people watch the opening ceremonies. The tweet I put out basically said, this is frustrating. It's frustrating to follow the Olympics. And how is that possible in today's age? And I got a ton of clapback and a ton of agreement. And, and some of the clapback was, you know, you're not the audience. You're not who NBC cares about. And I understand that. Look, I'm in an advertising business, sort of say, you know, we've got ads all over spot track. That's how we sort of make our living here. I, I get that there's an approach to everything that pays well. And spreading things out over a broadcast network, over streaming networks, you're trying to get subscribers to Peacock. Fine. That's all good and well. But you can't tell me that all of that can exist and the ability to earn revenue and the ability to spread the wealth out across your networks and across your platforms can exist. But also, two other things can happen. One, an extremely user-friendly approach, something I can take with me, something I can look at and quickly understand, oh, guess what? At 7.30, these four things are happening. I'm craving a freaking TV guide for the Olympics. That's what I want. Give me a TV guide. I'm almost ready for a print version of this thing, right? Send it to me three days before opening ceremonies in the mail. I, I understand that that's an antiquated thing, but that's what I'm craving right now. It's just a simple go-to, tell me when it's going to be on kind of thing. And if you have to tell me where it's going to be because you're spreading the wealth, fine. At least I have one place to go that can explain these things quickly to me so that I'm not bouncing around like an idiot or going to Twitter to try to find these things out. I'm a, I'm a technical, technically savvy guy here. I mean, I, I can handle this stuff. And I have subscriptions to all these things. It's not like I'm having to register, sign up to find things. It's just literally a user experience issue. So that's one. And two, and to me, this is the biggest one. And you know, if you're a business, if you're in, in the corporate America out there, especially in the media, feel free to push back on me with a more refined answer to this question. But how the hell am I waking up and seeing four to five push notifications telling me that these things happened, right? The, the USA softball team just walked off with a home run. And you're telling me that I can't click immediately and watch that softball game? You're telling me that some of these things are not immediately on demand? These things should be on demand the second they happen. The second they happen, I should be able to watch Katie Ledecky lose eight seconds after she loses. And then 150 times after that. I, I don't understand that. Like, make these things quick snapshots. The Every little moment in the Olympics should be a TikTok, should be a, a an IG video, an IG live. That's just the world. We're in an on-demand world. Like, I, I get it. You got to make your network money. You got you to gotta push your advertising. There has to be a form, uh, you know, a standard traditional model so that you, the billions you spent on this can be paid back in some form. But all these things carry advertising. You know, I watch Facebook videos all the time. There's two to three ads per video that I watch. It's possible to make the money in this new, you know, on-demand world. It is frustrating as hell. They have to go to Twitter to find a clip of something when you own the rights, NBC. You have it and you have a platform. It's not like they don't have the ability to post on-demand content in an organized, efficient fashion. I'm not saying that they're doing a terrible job. I enjoy the hell out of Mike Jericho. I enjoy the hell out of the games itself. I actually think some of the new sports that have been entered are super fascinating and have made this a more polarizing situation in a, I think in a year, in a year, in a safety situation that could really be detrimental to an Olympic games. You know, I think a lot of people have tuned out because of the political, medical, all that drama surrounding it. I'm in on some of these new events. So there is an engaging experience part of it. I just want, 
and maybe I'm being a selfish 40 year old, right? I'm in that generation where I expect and I expect and I expect. I don't know. This just seems like a no brainer. Seems like they have all the technology, seems like they have the means and the resources. I should just be able to see everything all the time, the second it happens. And if you're telling me that they're saving things for replays, well, that's that's the oldest sentence in the world. Okay. It's the oldest sentence in the world. All right. The the, the rewatch market on a on a USA softball game, you know, when you're up against everything, everything, that's just that's just not good business. Get it out there, get the views, throw some advertising in it, throw the standard advertising in it, get it on Peacock immediately so that we can watch this thing in real time at our time, at our pace, in our time zone. When our family time, you know, allows for it, it's just the it's just the way everything's going, and you know, like I said, this hasn't been a huge disaster. I'm still watching every single day, something every single day, but it it could be better. And I hope the next iteration of this it is better because NBC deserves to give us a little bit more, a little bit more efficiency from a user experience and a lot more on demand, a lot more on demand. All right, enough Monday morning rant. Let's get to some baseball here, although it's not going to be much more positive to start. The The reason I'm bringing this question to the table or this topic to the table is the NL West, we knew it was going to be great in the onset. Cousin Dan and I had a big conversation about this. Our, our over-unders in terms of wins was difficult because I think the Dodgers were at like 104, 106. You know, That's certainly not going to happen. Let's just, Let's just start there. The Dodgers are not winning 100 plus games. And the reason as such is, I guess, multifaceted, right? Because you've got the Trevor Bauer situation sitting in a room over here and it's locked and nobody knows when that's coming out. Nobody. I mean, it seems like that's going to keep getting pushed down. He has made a court appearance, appearance, but I've heard no progress in terms of his return to baseball or a timetable at all. So my assumption is he's probably done for 2021 and, you know, the... The, the writing on the wall is that he could be done for much, much longer than that. So let's just let's just put him in his own separate window here. He's not on this roster. If we look at just the injured list now, because Mookie Betts got added again last night. You've got Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, Gavin Lux. That's Those are three everyday players for you, right off the bat, sitting on the IL. You've got Clayton Kershaw. You've got Dustin May. That those were two of your five, you know, five starting rotation right there, and then you've got f- five relief pitchers, three of which are on the sixty-day IL. It's just too much. Uh, this Dodgers team was loaded, and they were deep, and they were going to be able to handle some of this stuff. But this just seems like too much. And barring a massive, massive couple of moves here in the next four days, which is possible. They they do have the farm system still to go and make a couple of those moves. You know, uh, another starting pitcher, possibly a shortstop, you know, possibly one of these hobby bias is one of these. I, don't, I wouldn't think a Trevor story, but maybe a bias, uh, a Glaber Torres, if the Yankees decide to, stop, to sell, there's, there are possibilities out there for a quick fix with this team. And the reason I say that after starting with such a negative tone is this team's only two games out, which is unbelievable. When, when you hear the names that I just mentioned, it's not unlike the Yankees were a couple of years ago when, you know, they were, they were finding somebody on the IL every three, four days, it seemed like in their entire pitching staff as such. That's kind of where we are at this Dodgers team and the importance of the players on the IL are terrifying. But like I said, two games out from the Giants, I expect the Giants to make a push here. And I'm going to talk about that in a couple of seconds with some trade deadline predictions. And and the reason the focus is now on the on the Dodgers, the Giants, is because the Padres got their hands on, you know, from from under their asses last night and acquired Adam Frazier, a piece that many, many contenders were looking at because of his versatility, his ability to hit, his ability to hit hit in various situations. And we knew the Pirates were going to sell. So the Padres acquired this guy. You know they've they've already got a pretty darn good second baseman in Jake Cron- Cronenworth, so I imagine Cronenworth and Frazier now bounce around quite a bit and, and platoon to some degree. But it's such a power depth move for this Padres team that's hitting the ball well. They're they're doing everything you need them to do. There's no question about that. But that Padres team is five and a half out right now. That's not a small number as we approach August. I mean, there's a lot of work to be done there. And the rumor is that they're not done with Frazier. They're going to get a pitcher probably in the next day or two. So 
My point is they're pushing. And the question becomes how much can or do or are they willing the Dodgers to push? Are they going to let the Padres sort of blow past them here and and sort of reset themselves for next year? Because it's possible. Seager's a free agent. There's a couple of, you know, Bellinger's probably going to need some sort of payday. Um, it's possible that they sort of pump the brakes and and don't give up too much farm and don't give up too much active roster and don't push past, you know, they're way past the tax payroll as it is. Do they want to continue to push down that path and increase their tax bill for a season where they may just not have the the steam, the power, the stamina to get where they want to get to? So something to think about. It's always, you know, it's it's early. I understand it's early. A lot of people say there's tons of baseball left. That's fine. But the time to make the moves, you know, is on a clock. It's ticking. There's four days left here until that deadline. So if they're going to push, my point is they need a push. So if they're going to push, it's going to happen now. And if they don't, I don't know if they'll have the stamina to get there is my point. The, the, the reason, by the way, that the Dodgers are where they are <laughs> two games out with all those injuries their run differential is plus 146. It is not even close to the best in the National League. Okay. Giants are second at plus 120. Padres are third at plus 93. So you can understand why I'm focusing on this division. Those are unbelievable numbers. The fourth best is the Brewers at plus 65, who are currently six and a half games up in the NL Central. It's a uh, it's that those are nuts number plus one forty six for the Dodgers with the team with the players I just mentioned on the shelf. It, that's a nuts number. It means they're playing hella good defense and they're getting timely hitting from their from their depth. Really, um, the only team that's in conversation with them in the entire league is the Houston Astros plus one forty four. They're right there neck and neck. So if that's a stat that you look at this time of year and it's something you think about down the stretch. There's your two teams. There's your two teams. And if you want those two teams to really progress, because Houston is now five and a half up on Oakland and Oakland, I believe will make a massive move. That's going to come in a couple of seconds here, but Houston plus 144, the Dodgers plus 146. It means they're scoring and it means they're stopping people from scoring. That's the recipe for success at any point in time in a season. I think Houston has enough firepower. They may add a pitcher. They were, they were hit with the injury bug early with their pitching staff. I think the Dodgers need at least two pieces here. So it's fun times when those kind of organizations are active at the deadline. And I think it's a, it's a necessity now. I think the, the Padres have put the Dodgers on notice with this first move. And like I said, there's another move coming from that Padres organization. So something to watch there, something to think about for LA fans, for Dodgers fans. And really we can wrap Houston in this conversation as well, even though they've got a bit of a comfortable lead now in that AL West. Let's get to it. Let's get to some of these deadline moves that could happen. The big name to me is Trevor Story. I mentioned shortstops. I put Trevor Story in his own class in this conversation. He's going to need a contract. I don't know if that factors into who's going to who's going to acquire him. I think at this point he's probably more of a rental coming off coming off of Colorado. Um, and whoever acquires him will not be required to extend him, which means Trevor Story goes somewhere for three months and then hits the open market in December. And it's all hands off. Everybody's in. The Yankees can go and get him if they want to. I don't think it's the Yankees who get him now is the reason I, I kind of preface it that way. The team, I, I just kind of mentioned the team. I think it's the Oakland A's who go and rent Trevor Story for two months, two plus months to supplant Elvis Andrews, who just hasn't been, he's just not the guy anymore. And he's an adequate shortstop for sure. But Trevor Story can absolutely upgrade this team the day he walks in the door. And if they're going to make a, a legitimate run, at Houston or at the, at a wild card spot, and then having some sort of chance in the postseason, that's the kind of guy you got to get there. And and Colorado can tell can say until they're blue in their face that they're not trading this guy. They're trading this guy, okay? They're trading this guy. Colorado has been surprisingly okay the last couple of months. I mean, they're not even in the cellar in their own division. They're 19 out. I mean, they're not great. They're 43 and 56. I thought they'd be in the 20s at this point, based on what we had seen early with an Arenado move. And some of the pitching injuries, they've got they've got three four players that other teams want, and if they want to rip the bandaid off here, and I think they should, they can move them all. I mean, John Gray, Hermain Marquez, and then certainly Trevor Story should be in consideration for contenders over the next couple of days here. So Trevor Story to the A's makes a lot of sense to me. 
there are certainly plenty of teams that will be involved, but that one to me stands out. You know, I mentioned John Gray. He's had injury history. Colorado's not going to trade all these guys, even though they should. They should trade all of these guys. Um, I don't know what to do with this one. I I, th- I think the, my gut tells me this is the guy that doesn't go, that this is the guy they keep, even though Marquez is probably a safer bet long-term. Um, but look, San Diego's going to be in. The Mets are going to be in. I, I don't know a team that won't be in. Toronto Tr- should 100% be in on John Gray. I mean, they need starting pitching maybe more than any contender in this league right now. So uh, keep an eye on him. There are two pitchers that probably should go. Only one probably will out of Colorado. But uh, we'll see what happens there. Javi Baez and the Cubs. Let's just talk about the Cubs as a whole, right? Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Zach Davies, Craig Kimbrell, Andrew Chafin, right? Two relievers, one starter who can be a long, a long starter if necessary. Brian, who's kind of third base and center field. Rizzo's a first baseman. Baez is a shortstop. If the Dodgers are in, I think Baez goes there. I truly believe that. I think Baez is the perfect, uh, not too expensive rental for the Dodgers to make at least keep pace with their current their current situation. You know, he's not going to make them worse. He's certainly going to improve, you know, if their defense is what it is right now with that run differential, he's only going to factor in. I mean, he is a phenomenal defensive shortstop. Anthony Rizzo is the fun one. Um, so the Dodgers don't have to go in, is my, is my point. They have shown enough with this limited roster that they can contend even with those injuries that I talked about. The, the big team for, the, for Anthony Rizzo right now is the New York Yankees. And I know, I know we've heard Joey Gallo. I know we've heard a lot of these big-time bats. But Rizzo actually makes sense positionally as a bat and for future years. Anthony Rizzo is a guy that you bring in. He, he, he's a lefty in that short porch, which is just such a freaking disaster for Brian Cashman. I cannot believe more people haven't jumped on this train. The fact that Brett Gardner is the only lefty on that roster and Yankee Stadium is built for lefties, I just don't understand it. What are you even doing? That's square one. So Rizzo, he helps in that regard. He's probably not getting the extension he wants in Chicago, regardless. And I think there won't be many teams who will value him the way he needs to. I think the Yankees know now that they have to go back a little bit to the Yankees of old. Aggressive at the deadline, aggressive in December, aggressive with their contracts. Okay, They can play a little money ball here and there. But they tried to nickel and dime basically the entire infield. Think about it. You know, they paid LeMahieu at the very last second. It's fine. They, they, they probably don't regret it, even though he hasn't been the same player. But you just can't get away with this stuff, you know, in seven out of nine positions on an everyday basis. I think he's the perfect fit because he's not going to be a $35 million player. Let's be frank. All right. He's just not. He and Freddie Freeman are going to be tempered contracts heading into their twilight years. Both are going to be extremely productive. I think Freddie Freeman stays. I think Anthony Rizzo goes. So if you're the team that's going to identify Anthony Rizzo as a possibility in December, get him now. Even if the Yankees think they're out, even if the Yankees look at 2020 and say, or 2021 and say, it's not our year. There's too much firepower in this division. We just can't, we just can't hang right now with our pitching staff. Get this guy in the door, get this guy acclimated with some of your players, your coaching staff, things like that, you know, get him, get your eyeballs on him 100% of the time. So you can properly value him for an extension. I think that's the, that's the best way to do this. So regardless of whether the Yankees are buyers or sellers, and I'll mention a sell point in, in a couple of minutes here, I think Anthony Rizzo is the right move right now, regardless of how they, they see themselves over the next three, four months. Chris Bryant, there's been Mets rumors there's been tons of AL rumors. Okay. Pl- plenty of teams want to use him as a platoon guy, more of a utility player with just an upgrade at the bat. It's fine. He's, he's had two, three injuries this year. He's, he's got one right now, sort of hanging over him. My gut says he stays, but I'm going to put a team that I think is going to be forced into a move. Um, I've mentioned the San Francisco Giants a couple of times in this podcast, three, four shows ago. I mentioned the Giants for Aaron Judge. And 
I'm not coming off of that cliff. I still think at some point in time, Aaron Judge could find himself on on the San Francisco team. I'm not worried about the DH because I think the DH gets put in both leagues anyway in the next 18 months. I just think that's the right move. And it's it, it'd be a great move right now, by the way, Aaron Judge to the Giants, because like I mentioned, the Giants are in first place, two games ahead of the Dodgers, five and a half games ahead of the Padres. The Padres have started to make their moves. I believe the Dodgers will as well. So what do the Giants do? The Giants could do one of two things. If Aaron Judge isn't on the table and there's no reason to believe he is on the table, then Chris Bryant's a pretty good consolation prize because they could use an upgrade both at third base and some outfield depth and at the plate. Okay, their run differential isn't what these other two teams are. They're plus 120. It's outstanding. It's third in Major League Baseball. They could score some more runs. There's no question about that because who knows if the Kevin Gosmans of the world are going to hold up. So I do like Chris Bryant as sort of a plan B out there. I, I think they should be all in on Aaron Judge, but it's probably not a possibility. So let's put this situation in fold because this one is possible over the next couple of days. Let's talk about the pitchers quickly. Craig Kimbrell, everyone wants him. He could go back to Boston. He could go to the Yankees. He could go to the Dodgers. You know, the, the Blue Jays need more. Uh, they need a bullpen. They don't need more bullpen. They need a bullpen. So if Toronto could, could, could make a move for a starter and a reliever in the next couple of days, that would behoove them for the long and short here. So Kimbrough could go anywhere. Absolutely any one of these contenders. Look, find a team at the top of their standings. Craig Kimball's on their list. I promise. Who else? The Rockies have more players. They truly, truly do. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak about this more from a team standpoint. All right? So if we look at these standings, Milwaukee has made a move, right? Wander Franco, they've made a move. Excuse me, Willie Adamas. It's probably not enough, but they've got a comfortable lead. All right, they're six and a half above the Reds. The Reds are dwindling a little bit here. The Cardinals are so hurt. The Cubs are going to be selling and the Pirates are the Pirates. I don't know if they have to do too much right now to secure this division is my point. I think it's comfortable. They probably feel that way. Can they add some bullpen depth for the long run? I think Devin Williams is still injured in that roster. So there's there's maybe a move here and there, a non-sexy move to come in the next two days just to bolster some things for September. Fine. But they're not going to be major players in the next couple of days. Um, if we look at the NL East, Mets, Phillies, Braves. Mets are in the lead. Phillies are four games out. Braves are five games out. Mets and F Braves play like a five-game series, I believe, starting today, this week. So huge ramifications for the division. So who's going to be the team that, that really makes a move? The Mets will make a move, I believe. A move. And it's probably just going to be a bullpen guy. I don't know if we see them bring in a Sterling Marte or a Chris Bryant or, you know, a Byron Buxton, a, a, a game-changing outfielder like we've been, they've been linked to for so many uh, weeks now. I think they're pretty satisfied with, the, with what they have. They've gotten healthy and they're getting healthier. Carlos Carrasco should be back in a couple of the days here. Syndergaard's probably on a month, another month out here, but that, the timing of that, if he's healthy, could be outstanding for this team. could be like an August deadline acquisition. Um, so my gut feeling says that there's no sweeping moves coming from this organization, but I do believe the Phillies will push. I think the Phillies are in Dodgers mode right now where they smell it. The, the Braves and the Mets could beat themselves up this week, which could really be uh, positive for this Phillies team, especially if they add a player right now. So they're in on somebody. They certainly could use a bullpen arm. They could use a bat as well. Their run differential is minus 23. Not great. Okay, not great. And they can't win on the road. They're 10 games under 500 on the road, the Phillies. So I expect them to make some sort of change. I'd, I'd put them in the two trade category, a bat and an arm. And I think that they smell it right now. They're kind of hanging around. They've been bouncing back and forth with the Braves here. They've got a real chance to put themselves in contention in that division. And I think that they know it. So something to keep an eye on there. Let's talk AL East. I mean, Boston's a game up on Tampa. Tampa will not go away. They acquired Nelson Cruz. It's going to be one of the sneakiest moves of the year. I sort of called this one behind the scenes with cousin Dan, and he blew me off because he was positive they were going with an arm. They've traded two arms. Okay, They traded Richel to the Mets. They traded a bullpen piece already. They're, they're, they're matching payroll is what they're doing. So they bring in Nelson Cruz. 
he costs X dollars. They've got to remove X dollars. That's how this team operates. All right. They don't, they don't work within a surplus. They don't do it. So I don't know if they're going to be making more moves here is my point. There could be, you know, there's a Joey Gallo situation out there for many of these teams, maybe even the White Sox and Joey Gallo. But I, I think Tampa's holding serve. I don't know if Boston will. Boston's been playing on house money here. This is just a, a roster that on paper you say, hey, that's a, there's a couple of good players there. And yet they're 61 and 39 with a plus 68 differential. It's, it's kind of miraculous. It's kind of miraculous what they've been able to do and hold on to here. So do they make a move? Do they get a back end guy, you know, a seventh inning guy, maybe that they can slide to into the eighth, nine role as needed. They could probably use some outfield help. I mean, they're, they're kind of five toolie out there, but they're not, there's no dominant force in their outfield right now. If I have to put it that way, Raphael Devers is having an MVP year. We all knew that was coming eventually with him. You know, they could upgrade first base if they if they wanted to. Bobby Dalbeck's been okay, but that this is an Anthony uh, Rizzo situation. This is a uh, there's a couple of players out there they could probably torch off another team right now and push and go. So I think there'll be some move from Boston. I don't believe so from Tampa. I mentioned the Yankees. This, regardless of who they are, nine games out. I think there's future moves to be made for the New York Yankees. The Blue Jays are nine and a half out. They've got a plus 86 run differential. They are so freaking fun to watch. I think Kevin Biggio could be on the move here. And if it's not this week, it's in the winter. He seems like the odd man out from that group of kids. And there's a return to be had there. You can go get yourself a veteran. They may have to sign Marcus Simeon. I don't know that. You know, it's been it's been too big of a sample size now. He is fitting. He is too important to that roster. And Regardless of the fact that there's kids all over the place that are going to grow up and be cheaper, I think you have to pay Simeon. I just do. He's a focal point to that roster. So this probably don't move. They probably don't move on from a Gritchick or a Biggio at the deadline. They're more of a winter move guy or team for me. And they may be just a fringe playoff team this year as it is. I mentioned the White Sox in passing. They've been outstanding. Uh, I'm not talking about them enough. I don't think much of the media is talking about them enough. They're a plus 115 differential. They are 59 and 40, nine games up on the Indians now. It's, uh, they're a powerhouse. And like the Mets, they're a team in first place who are about to get healthier. I mean, I don't, I don't know what more you could want. <laughs> I really don't. They could probably use the utility guy. Maybe there's an arm coming their way. Maybe. Uh, but they're probably feeling pretty darn comfortable right now, that AL Central, and that may get reflected in the next couple of days. Same goes for Houston. Houston could use an arm. Um, they've, they've battled the injuries here and there as well. They're five and a half up on Oakland. I believe Oakland will push, like I mentioned with Trevor's story. I believe they'll push. So does Houston have, a, have to counter something to secure themselves this division? Maybe, maybe not, but they're a maybe for me. They're a maybe. So look, there's probably six, seven teams that should be very active over the next four to five days. I would expect it. We don't generally see superstars go at the deadline. It's usually a big time hype, big time letdown situation. But I'll just give you some names here who I think are probably going to go. All right. Ed Ryder Escobar should go. Whit Merrifield should go. Ian Kennedy should go. Kyle Gibson should go. Adam Frazier has gone. Starling Marte should go. Javi Baez will go. Anthony Rizzo will go. Chris Bryant should go. <laughs> Craig Kimbrell will go. Trevor Story will go. And John Gray should go. Max Scherzer will not go, in my opinion. Okay, the Nets, they're out. It's, uh, you know, they're eight, they're eight out. They're certainly not out of the race. They were about this when they won the World Series at, at the midway point. So they're not out of it, but there's a lot of work to be done. I don't think it makes sense to move on from Scherzer. It probably makes sense for some sort of two-year extension at this offseason. Let him finish his career there. Pay him back for what he's given to that franchise because he's an all-timer. I mean, he's going on the wall. There's no question about it there. And uh, 
just don't see those guys move the deadline too much. So I'm putting him as a no right now. All right, let's switch gears to the NFL. But first, today's episode is provided by Balance Bridge Funding, offering cost-friendly capital solutions to professional athletes since 2015. Balanced Bridge has dedicated professionals who understand the industry and are ready to customize a repayment plan catered to your client's situation and financial objectives. Borrow wisely and cost-effectively. Avoid broker fees with no prepayment penalties if you decide to pay it all back early. Whether your client is currently under contract and needs a bridge against guaranteed earnings, a free agent looking for a new deal, or just looking to borrow for any other reason, let Balanced Bridge get a look, provide a solution, and be a resource for you and your client today. Visit balancedbridge.com. It's balancedbridge.com. All right, as mentioned, I'm going to run through this NFL bubble piece I did. It's really about a week, exactly a week ago, actually. And I sort of let it hang in the balance because I didn't want to be, you know, I don't want to be, be the guy sitting here in the middle of July saying, yeah, hey, these guys might get cut or these guys might get traded or blah, blah, blah. Because look, I do a lot of that over the winter with my annual roster bubble piece that, you know, kind of precedes the free agency season. And there's just a lot of movement at that point. It's not a ton of movement that happens during camp, after camp, in terms of big-time veterans. We see certainly see some guys fall off the roster who get re-signed in week two. We certainly see some last-minute trades for that cover up injuries, that cover up things like that. But this year is a little bit different. And I'm not going to get down the vaccination situation too much. But look, the image, the photograph I have on this piece is Cole Beasley. And he's there for two reasons. Number one, he's been a polarizing force on Twitter. And number two, I, I thought since the onset of this offseason that his spot was going to be in trouble because of his cap hit, because of the way that his contract worked out. He wasn't fully guaranteed at one point in time. He's got a roster bonus paid. There's $5.3 million to be saved if you release or trade him right now if you're Buffalo. And I understand that there's it's a loaded situation with the, the things he's saying and some of his teammates are saying and many of these other you know athletes are saying across the NFL and the other sports. And we're seeing coaches get removed from their jobs because of the vaccination. We're seeing some sponsorship issues because of vaccinations. It's just going to be, get, this is just going to get worse. Okay. Cause they're going to have a team that has an outbreak. We're going to have a team that you know, is fined or, or has draft picks removed because of protocols. That stuff's just coming. It's just the nature of it. There's a lot of athletes in the NFL. It's a lot to manage. It's a lot to, to, to kind of keep under wraps and not everybody thinks the same way point in case here. I'm not taking a stance one way or another. What I'm saying is when it comes down to it, if there are two or three wide receivers available to some of these teams and they have the same skill set, similar skill set, maybe they cost a little less because they've been released. So now you can acquire these players on basically one, you know, $1 million vet mins. Something like this is going to look attractive. Cole Beasley, I can save 5.3. I can sign a player for one and a half million. Let's go that route. Let's go that route. It's just one example. I'm using him as an example because he's kind of got all those things going for him right now in terms of the vaccination, the discussions, the outcries on Twitter, his roster spots somewhat flimsy because of his cap. And that's what this piece is all about. Who's sort of flimsy right now heading into this training camp? Jordan Hicks for the Cardinals is a no-brainer. I think I, I don't know how, why he's still in the roster. I mean, they literally don't have a... He's a backup. And now his teammate, Chandler Jones, has requested a trade. And he that that trade request is, I, I want to be here, but they won't pay me. <laughs> That's what that is. All right? He's 31. He's entering an expiring year of his contract. He was injured last year. He had 19 sacks two years ago. So that's where the gripe is coming from. He values at about $16 million a year right now in our system. I, I can understand why Arizona doesn't want to pay that. They just paid 31-year-old J.J. Watt less than that to come to come off from Houston. So uh, do I think he's traded? No, I do not. I think he's extended because I believe, as I mentioned on a couple of shows ago, that Arizona is a sleeping giant. And I think they should know that internally. And there are some times you just have to suck it up and pay a little bit more than you want to. Uh, Chandler Jones wants some security for his injuries. He's coming off a couple of injuries now. He is over that 30 mark. So the red flags are all sort of screaming around him. He wants some security. He's feeling a little bit insecure about his contract versus the rest of his career. You probably don't have to break the bank. I'm not even sure you have to go as high as $16 million. Maybe, you know, maybe the 19 sacks two years ago is, is the albeit, and that's the number you have to look at. 
and it's got to be something in the range of Shaq Barrett, fine. Maybe not. Maybe if you can guarantee two years at 12 or 13 million a year, it's good enough. Okay. Cam Hayward got a little bit more than that. Cam Hayward's been outstanding on an annual basis. But there are some examples, you know, the Melvin Ingrams, the Justin Houstons. There are examples of players at this age taking significantly less, you know, tier three, tier four money in terms of edge rushers to go to the team they want to be at. If Chandler Jones wants to be there and Arizona deems him vital to a Super Bowl run, which they should, make it work. Guarantee him two years. That's that's all they should need to do. Okay. Atlanta's got nothing else to give. Truly. They are locked in. They need defensive help. They should be adding, not subtracting. The big move was Julio Jones. That's done. Baltimore, they've probably got a surplus at offensive tackle right now, which is how I kind of read this. Uh, to me, that's a good problem to have. I'd find somewhere else to move off a player. I'd keep all the tackles they could keep because who knows what Lamar... Uh, to me, it's extension season in Baltimore, not roster bubble season. It is what's happening with Lamar Jackson, what's happening to Mark Andrews, and a couple of the defensive players as well. I mentioned Beasley and the Bills. It's also extension season there. Tremaine Edmonds, Josh Allen. By the way, Josh Allen sounds like they're far apart in terms of numbers. Sounds like they're far apart in terms of structure. For all the, all you out there thinking that you've heard Josh Allen's going to take a team-friendly deal or a friendly structured deal, let me tell you what I think that means. <laughs> what it means is Josh Allen's camp isn't currently set on Dak Prescott's four-year extension. Okay, Team-friendly to me means, all right, it's going to be a six-year deal. So eight years total. We'll, f- we'll structure the caps friendly this year, maybe a little bit friendly next year, but then you're going to pay the hell out of me. I mean, then, then the, all that's going to be guaranteed for their, for three and a half, maybe even four years because the quarterback pays getting there and we you can, you can finagle with the cap hits that, you know, this and next year as needed, but you're going to tack on additional years to do that. That's not my jam. I mean, I've been screaming for short contracts forever and ever. Amen. But it's to me, that's what, that's my read on Josh Allen's request for team friendly. It's not, I'm taking less. It's not, I'm going to give you, you know, the lowest cap hits in the league. It is, you're going to tack on tons of guarantees to the middle of this thing, which is dangerous. And you can finagle the caps early if you need to. That's the bills. Okay. The Panthers just signed Taylor Moten to a nice contract that is now on our system, by the way, speaking of low cap hits, his cap hit dropped to $4 million this year with that extension. So that'll do good news for Panthers fans. Chicago's already made the move. I had Anthony Miller on this list as a bubble player. He is now a Houston Texan. So... (laughs) So goodbye, Anthony Miller. In, hello, Jesse James. That's the roster move they made in Chicago. Cincinnati's also in extension mode. There's probably a couple of defensive tackles that they could push off this as it gets down to camp cuts. But they did extend Sam Hubbard. I would, I would imagine Jesse Bates is right around the corner. Jesse Bates is going to make more than most people think he should. He's a sneaky, sneaky good player. He's one of those guys that it's kind of like a Buda Baker situation. Just That's going to be a nice contract. Get ready for that one. There's a kicking competition in Cleveland. I've got a few kicking competitions on here. I've got two punters. I've got three punters on this list. I have four punters on this list. Excuse me. Four punters and a kicker. So if you are a special teams guy this time of year, if you love the competition, my roster bubble piece is probably for you. Uh, I've got a couple of running backs here. Royce Freeman with Denver. It sounds like the kid they drafted, Javante Williams, is going to be a stud. You combine him with Melvin Gordon, that should be enough for Denver, especially if they're going to move on to a passing offense with an Aaron Jones or excuse me, an Aaron Rodgers in 2022. Uh, I've got Mark Ingram here from Houston. Houston's going to have to make some kind of cuts, you know, like 30 players because they brought in everybody on trial on trial runs. I don't know if Mark Ingram sticks. Doesn't make sense to me. A couple of former Packers and current Packers, Geronimo Allison off of, Den- off of Detroit and Devin Funches off of Green Bay. To me, that makes sense. I can't see them sticking. I don't know what's going to happen with Tebow and Jacksonville. Um, Tebow and Gardner Minshew are probably my two what-ifs heading into camp here for Jacksonville. There's a lot of other good signings around those positions, and I don't think that those two are long for it. Kansas City is interesting because Frank Clark has himself in in legal trouble. I would stand to reason that his, his guarantees are going to void when he's suspended for this at some point. But there's a ton of dead cap. 
there's a ton of dead cap and it's not like you can just say pay me back the signing bonus now we'll take the we'll take the cap that cap credit wouldn't happen until next year so he's going to have to be suspended they're going to have to release him for cause and void his guarantees they're going to have to ask him to to pay back x dollars of of signing bonus they're going to have to go to arbitration court for that payback they're going to have to win then the payback happens then they get the cap credit next year so there's a, we're a long way from Kansas City saving cap on Frank Clark with that said you know, if a, if an eight game suspension comes down or a ten game suspension comes down, they probably cut bait. They probably cut bait. All right. Another running back, Jalen Richard, Jalen Richard. Is it French? <laughs> Vegas. Look, they signed Kenyon Drake to serious money, and he's going to have a big time role. He's going to have a third round role. He's going to be the goal line back. I could see Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, and Theo Riddick easily being the. Uh, the arsenal there in Las Vegas, and they can they can save three point two five million moving on from him. So, to me, that's a no brainer. A couple of wide receivers here, Nikhil Harry. Harry is off of New England if they can find a trade partner. He's fully guaranteed, so they're going to take a, a zero dollar bath if they release him. I don't know if that happens. Alan Hearns, it's minimal savings, but seems like his position. I, I bet you he makes it through week one, and then he's out, and then he's out. Um. John Ross and the Giants is, is fighting for a roster spot. Here's an interesting one. In fact, let's finish with this, and I'll tweet out the rest of this uh, after the show so you guys can take a look at this list. The Saints have done a lot of damage to get themselves cap neutral and then extensions to get themselves cap friendly. How is Latavius Murray and his $4.1 million contract still on this roster? He's been excellent. I love the player. But you're telling me that's not a position you can upgrade the backup running back role and get it at $1.25 million somewhere? You're telling me you can't save $3 million to do this? I, I'm, I'm, I'm confused because I, to me, that's just falling in love with your players too much. He's a great player. He's probably a great guy. They probably love to have him in the locker room, and he's probably the perfect complement to Alvin Kamara. But in a situation where you needed cap space left and right, up and down, the backup running back didn't get moved on from with who was over 4 million in cap. That shocks me. So to me, I'm still not convinced it sticks. I'm still not convinced it sticks. That's a move that, that from a business standpoint probably should happen. And they they just want to make sure they, they have that covered in camp. So maybe they add a running back here to add to the mix and competition. They've got a couple there right now who can prove and win that RB2 job, but the numbers don't add up there for me too much. Um, and the last one is this. It's a big name for this list. It's a big name heading into camp. Chris Herndon might be the most important weapon the Jets have right now. He was an absolute disaster last year. Absolute disaster. They added Ryan Griffin. They added Tyler Croft. They are going to try to supplant. You know, They're not trying to move off from him yet. But if he looks like he did last year in camp, this could be a quick, a quick result. Very quick. I just don't know if that they're going to be long for this guy. They're, they're, why would you have any kind of leash? with the Jets right now. Everybody should be on the clock. Everybody. Um, so look for this. There could be some significant tight end movement over the couple. I mean, certainly Zach Ertz is going to be out there still. Um, what happens to the, to the three or four guys in Tampa Bay? You know, is OJ Howard going to stick? Is David Njoku going to stick? Evan Engram, sort of a similar conversation, though not as drastic in New York for the Giants. And then Chris Herndon's in that conversation as well. So um, just some guys to listen to there. Other than that, like I said, there's punters galore. There's some defensive backs on here. It's mostly a weapon, though. Um, you know, if you've got 10 wide receivers, you're keeping seven or eight at the most, six in some cases. So you're going to find a couple of wide receivers on this list that will cer- certainly come to fruition. But it is uh, getting closer and closer to cutdown season. We're about a month away from the 53s fully coming into effect here. So plenty of work to be done on the NFL rosters. And it starts right now as camp starts. All right. Last but not least, the NHL draft is complete. Seven rounds are in. I've got them all targeted at, at the draft track or at spot track. Real quickly on some of these numbers. Okay. As usual, Canada leads the way. Almost 40% of the draft picks of the 224 draft picks were Canadians. 86 total players. Americans had about 21%, 48 Russia was third. I think if you had to bet, that's exactly what you would have bet, right? That's probably how Vegas would have had it. Canada, US, Russia. 
Sweden and Finland rounded out at about 8% averaged each there. This one shocked me because A, you need less of these guys. B, it seems like the veteran movement, especially in the trade markets, has been defensemen. 36% of these draft picks were defensemen. 81 of the 224 picks were on the defensive side of this. Okay, There were only 21 goalies drafted. That shocks me too, because to me, I mean, I, I'm in the I'm in the camp of goalie and quarterback are sort of parallel. If you have a goalie who's playing out of his mind, you are winning games, even if you're not scoring. Even if you're scoring 1.2 goals a game, you're winning games if your goalie is outstanding, or can be outstanding, or can go on those runs. I'm in the camp of drafting a goalie every year, and I don't see why teams wouldn't do this. It's not like this is a two round situation like the NBA, where you've got to be frivolous with your picks. I, I'm shocked when teams don't draft a goalie every year. I'm, I'm shocked by it. And maybe they've supplanted that in free agency. And maybe they've already acquired somebody via the draft or excuse me, via trade that forces them to look away from a goalie. And maybe it's just not a good goalie class. There's certainly reasons against it, but much like I would do with a quarterback and maybe it's every other year for a quarterback or a, every other year for a third round running back, right? I'm going to get into that conversation too. That's the way I look at this with goalies. It's so important to have depth in the system. It's so important. They are such good trade pieces when it comes to it, when you're looking to, to upgrade you know, a second line center or, or a, a top six defenseman. If you've got a goalie in the system that has shown some promise, teams are looking for that all the time, especially teams about to make a playoff run and they want two to three guys that they can swap out for just for longevity purposes. Uh, I'm always shocked when that few goalies go. Always. The first goalie to go off the board this year was 15th overall to Detroit, which sounds about right. That's the team that should do it. And that's about where you should start taking these players. Okay. I'm shocked though, that it's almost two to one defenders to sit to, to forwards. That's, I'm shocked by that. Shocked by that. Um, maybe it's harder to get those guys. It's harder to find those guys. Those, they're certainly getting paid. Let me put it that way. I mean, Seth Jones just got another $76 million contract. So when you're good enough at that position, you can certainly cash in. But I was a little bit shocked with the way that those two positions broke down this year. Other than that, you know, the college stuff doesn't surprise me. Most players are going USA under 18s. Most players are going Canada to the OHL, those kind of things. And that's where you're seeing your top draft picks. Although Michigan, the University of Michigan, I believe had three of the top six, three of the top five drafted this year. So you can make a good college run and certainly get noticed in terms of the draft that still exists. It's just sort of a dying art in this, in this country, sort of say. Okay. That'll do it. My thanks to the athletic visit the slash spot track for 40% off. Visit morganstanley.com slash GSE. If you're a prospective draft prospect, if you're an athlete looking for financial solutions, please get your money in order. It is so important. Um, learn what you can spend, what you should be spending, what you shouldn't be spending, how to invest properly. MorganStanley.com slash GSE get you started there. And balance bridge funding. If you're looking to borrow smartly, if you're looking to invest against guaranteed earnings, that's the way to go. Balancebridge.com. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trade Podcast.